Hey, welcome to the latest episode of the Omaha Dines podcast. I'm Sarah Baker Hansen, a food critic at the Omaha World Herald. And I'm Matthew Hansen, Metro columnist at the World Herald and Sarah's longtime dining partner. <laughs> and this week we are coming at you live from Farine and Four. Uh, we're super excited to be here because uh, it fits in with our topic. Well, we also love it, but it fits in with our topic this week, which is, I don't know, I guess we're kind of loosely calling it like the new guard. Right. The, the new chefs that have kind of come up in the last few years in Omaha uh, that are kind of changing the way things are happening and doing new stuff and really pushing the dining scene yeah. forward. And I feel like it's a podcast for everybody who thinks that nothing new or cool happens in Omaha. Yeah. It's, a, it's an episode for people who are stuck in a rut. Yeah. It's an episode for people who have been to, you know, M's Pub uh, 82 times, but maybe haven't been to, to some of these places. Nothing against M's Pub, by the way. We, <laughs> we were, were just there. Just two, two days right, ago. Right. But the, the difference is you go to those places, the mainstays, but there's all these other cool places that right. people should check out. Yeah. So let's talk about first where we are. Yeah. Farine and Four. So we're going to talk to Ellie Pegler later in the episode. She's the baker, owner, uh, chief collaborator here. Uh, these are her some of her beautiful creations in front of us. That's a, like a Vanna White move right It is there. sort of. I mean, I feel like this tray of baked goods deserves a Vanna White <laughs> hand, so I'm giving it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Ellie's been here not for that long. She will tell us her, her whole yeah. origin story in the second half of the show, but long story short, which I'm looking forward to her telling it, uh, she's really created this new destination breakfast, lunch, pastry, coffee spot um, that didn't exist in this area of town before. And it's super exciting, I think, for a lot of diners and also in a, with a real collaborative spirit with other chefs and restaurants. Right. And it, I mean, it goes to our point. Well, it goes to a couple points. One is that uh, Ellie is a product of, she's a Nebraska product, and she's going to talk about that more later. Yeah. But, you know, she's one of these these people in the restaurant industry who has gone away, done really cool stuff, in her case, New York City, yeah. and come back to Omaha right. to start her own right. thing. Right. And, and so, you know, when you think about the New Guard, there's, there's a couple examples of that, and there's a couple examples of kind of people filtering down through the family tree, the ecosystem, they're, they're like the new branches yeah. off of, of some pretty uh, uh, locally famous chefs. So let, let's right. talk about that. I mean, ha, like when we were young, when we were the new guard, uh, there were a couple chefs who were, you know, really, I mean, they were changing Omaha food and yeah. the, those, and they still are, by the way, <laughs> those chefs are, Clayton Chapman at Grey Plume, Paul Kulik at the Boiler Room and now at Le Bouillon, uh, and a couple others, Nick Strahecker, uh, Dario, Jennifer Coco at J. Coco now. I mean, you know, th those were the people that really had the, um, uh, held the, the city and particularly foodies uh, interests. Yeah. But all these people, and they're still all doing their thing, but all these people have come out of those kitchens to start their own stuff. Right. So what, yeah. what are a couple examples of that? Well, I think Ben Maids at Ocaron is a really good example of what you're talking about. Um, I've, of course, written a lot about Ocaron, um, recommended a lot. And the reason I recommend it is because one of the things that I love so much about what Ben's doing at Ocaron is that it's so in the wheelhouse of those chefs, some of those chefs that you named. 
you know, super local, super seasonal, very fresh, very creative. He really has his own viewpoint for his restaurant of what he wants to do. Amazing cocktail program, great wine. And I think the thing that's just so killer is the $55 five-course tasting menu, right. which I know I've talked about it a lot, but I really do think it remains one of the absolute best deals you can get anywhere in Omaha for if you want to have that tasting menu experience, but you're put off by going to a $200 wine dinner or some of these upcoming events are even more expensive than that. Right. Um, it's really taken that idea of this kind of high-end experience and made it really accessible. Right. And you know, there's another chef on our list who kind of fits into this but kind of also has done higher end, Kane Adkison, who's got the Cano pop-up that happens. It happens here, uh, it's happening at Archetype, and he's done more expensive versions of it, like at Yoshitomo with Dave Butterback, another person that's on our list. Um, but at Archetype, he's doing a more affordable version of it. So if you want to try it, but you don't want to spend that much coin, you can still have this really high-end experience. And I think that that idea of like making it so affordable really puts more people, it makes more people understand like what is happening. Right. The Let's talk about Kane for a second, okay. because I think he's a really interesting kind of case study uh, in, in the in the new guard. What, what do you know about Kane's uh, backstory? Kane has cooked all over the world. He is, I he's don't like know seven, his exact like age, but he's in his early old. 20s. <laughs> And he has done, traveled all over, uh, and his kind of signature thing that he started to do was a pop-up, not in Omaha or even in Nebraska, way far outside of Omaha, in fact, sometimes on the other side of the world, inspired by Nebraska. Yeah. And so now he's back, and he's doing his same style of cooking, which is, you know, I can't even probably name how many influences he's learned from so many chefs um, but he still has this real deep tie to Nebraska and so for instance we went to one of his pop-ups and he did an Asian bao bun that was filled like a runza right. and he does things with corn and with you know other seasonal kind of very Nebraska ingredients but in a super high-end yeah. really creative way and, and I mean, it's interesting. And he doesn't in part, even have a restaurant, right? I was gonna say, like, he has all. He's he's an amazing chef, like the Omaha foodies and chase him around Omaha. Yeah. Um, all his dinners, and are he sold doesn't out. have a physical spot, he at least not yet, spot. which is crazy. Right. I mean, that's not, that he's you know one of those people who's sort of flipping the idea of what right. um, a chef is yeah. kind of on its head. Speaking of sort of local. Um, interesting focus. I, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Coneflower Creamery in the Blackstone District. Uh, we were there the other night. It was what night was it? Tuesday? Yeah. There was a line down. No, it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. There was a not line down the block. But yeah, you think and there that is would every be night. on like a Saturday, yeah, yeah. but it's not. It's every night. Yeah. When you're going to write about it for your newsletter, which by the way, you should subscribe to Sarah's newsletter <laughs> if you uh, if you haven't yet. It comes out every Tuesday, Omaha Dines. Thank you for that pitch. No problem. I, I didn't even have cue cards or anything. <laughs> but the uh, uh, we timed the the length of time, and it was around 25 minutes to get yeah. in and, and get your ice cream, right. which is it was fun actually to stand in line. Yeah. But that's how much people want cone flour right yeah. now right. on a random mm -hmm. you know weekday night in yeah. uh, June in, in and Omaha. A, a line for ice cream in Omaha in the summer isn't that rare. Like there probably was a line at E Creamery that night. There definitely was a line downtown at Ted and Wally's. Yeah. But I don't know if it would have been a line 30 to 40 people right. deep like it was at Coneflower. 
And you know, I mean, I've, this is again something I've written about, but they, they make everything. They even make the sprinkles, which is right. just a fact that is so crazy to me. And they have a lot of really interesting flavors that are kind of rooted in the Midwest, in their Midwest origins, but uh, just really well executed, really well yeah. done. I mean, I think it's fair to say best ice cream in right. Omaha. I mean, it is it is for me, and that you know, I love ice cream, and I am very allegiant to E Creamery and Ted and Wally's. Right. But uh, Matt, I, I you've think you've mastered the, the Dundee best. dozen twice. Yeah, we should have a whole episode about that. <laughs> My ice cream eating exploits. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, but they, their flavors in some way stand out to me, even though E Creamery is also very creative, and Ted and Wally's is wildly creative. Right. I mean, I've had the sriracha ice cream yeah. before, so no no sort of, like, I'm not cutting these places no. down at all. They're also really creative, but I feel like the one of the things that I think that also kind of goes through this list is the level of ingredients that some of these young chefs and young, you know, bakers, etc., are using. Like, everything at Coneflower is as local as it can possibly be, as fresh as it can possibly be. Nothing yeah. is, you know, packaged or... They, they go to the extremes to make sure that everything is like as fresh as possible. Yeah. Another place is pla a couple of places that are super popular right now are uh, Saddle Creek Breakfast Club is Speaking one of them. Speaking of lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a place where on a weekend you are going to have to wait, uh, you know, 30 or 45 right. minutes to get in and get your uh, right. brunch and it's totally worth it. Right. And their partnership with Amateur Coffee yeah. I think is really cool. and. Another, I just thought of it, it's not even on our list, but another example of this like collaborative spirit. Like how you go to any of these restaurants or you go to Kane's Pop-Up or you go to Au Courant and you see Ellie's Bread and you see you know all these ingredients that are from other local people who are kind of of the same age. Yeah, yeah and uh, just to do it real quick, one more mention. Um, I mean, probably Omaha's, at this point, Omaha's most heralded kind of quote-unquote young mm -hmm. uh, chef um, is Tim Nicholson at the Boiler Room, mm -hmm. who's a guy who worked under, as far as I understand it, he worked under Paul Kulik yeah. when Kulik ran the Boiler Room, mm -hmm. and now he's doing his, his own thing there, and he has won what? I mean, he hasn't won. Uh, he's, he's been, two years in a row, he's been nominated for a James Beard Award. Like a semifinalist, yeah, yeah. And was, the first one was, he was, it was in Rising Star category, which mean, meant at that point he was under 30 years old. Right, and this year it was Best Chef Midwest. The, the fact, the kind of common factor of this podcast I'm realizing is all these people are younger than us. Yeah. <laughs> yep, we're old now. <laughs> I really want to, since we're talking about Boiler Room, we're kind of like narrating this podcast as though we're writing a story with like transitions, but I really feel like we need to mention Jose and Ika. Yeah because Ika started out as almost a literal ramen shack on right. the west edge of Benson. And now it is a powerhouse in terms of like what's happening with ramen in Omaha, which started out as a real trend, you know? Like I remember when I'd be on the bottom line and Michael Severe would just give me so much crap that I was talking about ramen all the time. Oh, right, because all and the now, cool kids were doing yeah, it. Yeah, and now it's like become just kind of a normal thing. But I have to say Ika-san in the old market off of that alley is like one of the cooler things I've seen happen downtown yeah. in a while. And it's great he did it in the old market. Yeah. I mean, that the old market is a place that needs that sort of energy. Right. I mean, it is interesting though, I feel like another unifying factor about all these places and a bunch more that we haven't talked about 
they're all in East Omaha. Yeah. And they're all in places where they're either in kind of the new urban core areas of East mm -hmm. Omaha, Benson, Blackstone, mm -hmm. there, you know, there's, uh, we haven't even talked about Tiny House, my Not favorite yet. new bar on yeah. South 13th Street, which is another one of these areas. Um, you wrote a column about this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tied to demographic trends, which is really interesting. And I, I don't know if any of these restaurateurs, like, you know, commissioned a, a study to figure this out, but they're going where the action is. I mean, in 2017, um, for the first time in, seriously, in like a half century, mm -hmm. there was more um, develop, residential development uh, in East Omaha, east of I think basically of uh, the interstate, uh, help me out, uh, not Omaha native, 680? Yeah. East of 680, then, uh, then west. Um, and almost all this housing development, new housing, was apartments. Mm -hmm. And they're not just apartments like we they're think like of, you know, sort of apartments. the crappy apartment that yeah. I lived in when they I moved like to Omaha. Pools on the roof. And at 60th stuff. and Grover. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, <laughs> Let's not talk about it. <laughs> uh, not crappy, depressing apartments, but uh, nice, new, high-end, higher-end, yeah. uh, and, and so they attract younger people a lot of times. But they attract younger people clearly with some money. Yeah. I mean, it's not. They have disposable income. Right. The sort of people who will come to places like this. And guess yeah. where we're at? There's an urban village. Uh, apartment building. We're surrounded by buildings right next door. that have been completely redone. I mean, these two buildings here, right next to us on Leavenworth, and we're at 30th. Uh, we used to be empty, right. dilapidated, you know, windows boarded, so and you, now yeah. they're completely beautiful and redone. It's that corridor from, and you know, the city and various developers have been talking about it forever. But it's the Med Center to downtown. Mm -hmm. That you know, sort of area extended, kind of on either side. Um, of Farnham Street uh, out is, I mean that you can you can see it start to happen in yeah. Omaha, and part of what's happening is restaurants are setting that trend, mm -hmm. and they're also following it. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and you can think about like you know Dante's original location on 168th and West Center. Their next project, Forno, is in Blackstone. Right. You think about even Benson. You know, I mean Jose's original eco was on the very west edge of Benson, and now he's in the old market. Yeah. So you can kind of see how, even with those two examples, and I'm sure there are others, of people kind of moving around the city, like you said, going to where the action is yeah. at. I, I think the other interesting thing about this list, and Yoshitomo is a place we haven't mentioned yet. I've right. mentioned Yoshitomo yeah. on every single episode right. yes, of the podcast mm -hmm. so far. By the way, I think Dave Utterback, I don't know, but he might be older than me. <laughs> I feel like we're about the same age. He is older than you. Um, but the... Uh, that's another place that is doing new, interesting stuff. And he had a different path where he, you know, was uh, the head guy at Flagship uh, at Blue. Uh, and then he went and did his own thing, super creative. All these places, uh, almost without exception, including Freedom Four, are challenging in some interesting way the existing Omaha food scene. Not right. challenging it like challenging it to a duel. It's not a you know Aaron Burr type situation, but it's more like they they're they're very politely saying here is something different, here is something right. new. And also, what do you guys think? It about? also happens to be that every single place on this list, plus others that aren't even written down that we just have in our heads, are all doing amazing 
amazing stuff. Right. It's not like they're saying, here's this kind of okay thing that we think you might like. No, they're like, here is the greatest croissant in the city of Omaha. <laughs> Enjoy it right. and tell us what you think yeah. and come back if you feel like it. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's really exciting. Yeah, and it's cool from our vantage point because we can sort of, you know, because we eat at all these places and eat all around the city, uh, including in the suburbs, and there's interesting stuff going on in the yeah. suburbs too, but the, you know, the, it's a point at which we can say, hey, look at this stuff, mm -hmm. like support these places. They are not, not because of some sort of civic duty, but because they're doing really interesting stuff and yeah. you're going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is really, you know, they, these chefs are putting thought into what they're doing. And I think that makes it so exciting to be on the other side of it, yeah. to be the diner who gets to just come in and have these great experiences. Yeah. And that's exciting for the future of the dining scene in Omaha. It's a, it's like, I don't know what time it is right now, 9.45 in the morning when yeah. we're taping this, so it's definitely time to talk about booze for just one minute, <laughs> okay. and then we'll bring Ellie in. Um, Are you gonna talk about Tiny House? Yes, I okay. need to talk about Tiny well, House. Well, let's say before you get going that the lead bartender at Tiny House came from the gray plume right so it's another ex that, yeah, yeah it's another example of a really talented bartender working at one of the kind of quintessential omaha spots and then going and doing this wildly cool creative thing yeah okay go ahead oh uh, i mean tiny house is the tiny house is a new bar on south 13th street which is a new uh development um that's going to be really cool and uh, it's one of the first places in there um and you walk into Tiny House, at least I walked into Tiny House and I had the following reaction. I can't believe this is in Omaha, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, it's a, that's an interesting reaction. That shows that I've been in Omaha a while, like I'm becoming a part of, or am a part of the firmament of the older guard, but you know, it had that ability to jolt me out of that, you know, idea. And it does feel like, you know, oh man, this would be in Austin, this would be in, you know, uh, name another cool Portland. Chicago. You're right. I mean, it, it's that sort of vibe, and it's just done in this really cool Omaha authentic way, though. Um, everybody me, needs to go check it, it out. It feels pretty effortless to me. Yeah. Like, it's kind, the kind of cool that doesn't seem contrived. Right. It just exists, and yeah. you get to, we get to go and enjoy it. Yeah. So, and that, not to mention that the cocktails are amazing. Yeah. And. Uh, it's a little bit older crowd for the uh, for your grandma and gramps here. Um, you know, it's not Speak a place. Speak for yourself. I'm not a grandma yet. <laughs> Just an aunt. Or aunt and uncle. We're your okay, right, hip yeah, aunt and uncle. We're, we're your hip aunt and uncle. That's <laughs> I fine. need some That's hip okay. glasses. Yeah. Uh, the uh, but what what is happening there is that it's become like a sort of a a meeting spot in some way for yeah. people between let's say the ages of. 30 and 50 right. as opposed to the place where all the 21-year-old uh, drunk you know, kids it's go. It's going to be really interesting to see how Little Bohemia goes because there's going to be another beercade, there's going to be a second uh, Fizzies, which is from the creators of Night Owl, which we also love. I mean, what else is going to be over there? I, I can't even like, remember everything. It feels like most everything. of Blackstone is just opening us up. Donuts, well, Arc Archetype's, Archetype's already over there. Over there. Yeah. There's going to be a donut place. But Archetype's another example. We don't even have Archetype on this list. Yeah. I mean, and what an example of uh, a, a guy, uh, Isaiah, you know, coming into town and doing something that, I mean, really pushing the envelope as far as what coffee is in Omaha. 
Um, I mean, and you know, other places kind of sprout up after him, and well, you kind of see that. in you know Ian's yeah. rally in North Downtown. I was just there yesterday. I mean, they've got a, such a cool patio. Like, if you haven't been over there, you should yeah. check it out. And, and I mean, the coffee here, by the way, is amazing. Yeah, I'm really enjoying I'm my. I'm clearly amped latte. up on it. I've yeah, had you a might have had a cups. couple of cups too many. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anything else to add before we talk to Ellie? No, let's uh, talk to Ellie right. and eat some pastries. Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Omaha Dines podcast. Quick reminder before we get going. Uh, I have a weekly newsletter. Matthew mentioned it. It comes out Tuesdays completely free. Uh, you can subscribe to it on Omaha Dines, my website. Uh, you can also read about all the latest openings, closings, reviews. Probably the biggest news story this week was that Amato's announced it was closing. So yeah, more to come on that. And the website's pretty much fresh every day. Oh, and also, I'm on social media, so you can find me on Twitter at S-B-H-O-W-H, and on Instagram, just my whole name, Sarah Baker Hansen. so follow. There's lots of food pictures on there. Okay, so we're back. We have Ellie Pegler with us, who is the owner of Green and Four, and I think, first off, well, should we have you describe all of this? <laughs> yeah, we have yeah, the food Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we do a lot of laminated pastries at the bakery, so over here we have a croissant. Um, and then we have a spicy cinnamon roll, so it has a little bit of cayenne and a top with brown butter frosting. Is that new? That is new. And then we have an everything bagel pinwheel with cream cheese in the middle. We have our new seasonal tosca, which is a creme fraiche black sesame tosca, which is a Swedish almond cake um, topped with Valhalla Farms caramelized honey and walnuts and then a little bit more sesame on top. Um, this is the olive and rosemary focaccia, which I used to make at Marea in New York City. We have a pickled carrot hummus toast over here, so it's pan-seared sourdough, uh, fresh cucumber, pickled carrots, um, some pea tendrils, salt, pepper, really simple. And then our s'more bread, which is on our seeded Danish rye bread with uh, beet hummus, watermelon radish, sliced uh, avocado, club green chili oil, and some pea tendrils on top as well. Your toast pretty much single-handedly like took over my Instagram for a number of months. <laughs> Just all pictures of toast because I love it so much. Oh, thank you. So you mentioned Maria. So tell us about your journey. So how you got back to Omaha? My journey. Uh, first of all, I went to college. I started working at the cookie company when I was 15. Uh -huh. I worked there for nine years. In Lincoln. In Lincoln. Yeah. Um, and then when I graduated from college, I was like, I don't really know if I want to go to law school. So I decided to get a job in South America, moved down there. Just, I was like, I'll just become fluent in Spanish, whatever. And then I came back. I still didn't feel like I was ready for law school. And I was like, you know, one thing that I always loved doing was cooking. So I told my parents, I was like, I'm moving to New York. I'm going to go cook. And they were like, what? <laughs> like, they're like, you just got a degree, and I'm like, I, you know, I would be very passionless working at a desk job doing law, you know? So the one thing I always like doing, cooking. So I went to New York, um, I did the bread program at French Culinary, French Culinary Institute, now known as International Culinary Center. And then uh, I got a job at Aquavit, which is a two Michelin star restaurant, and then at night I went to culinary school. And then after that, uh, I worked at Aquavit for two years. And then I decided, I was like, I'm going to learn pastry. So I, on a whim, went and did a stage at Morea, which is another two Michelin star restaurant. 
got a job, learned pastry on the job, and then learned chocolate work, everything. And then Michael White, who I absolutely adore, was like, hey, do you want to create our bread program? So I started doing breads at Maria, and then I created the entire bread program for Vaucluse, which was their restaurant in the Upper East Side that's French-inspired. And um, yeah, after that, I was like, I want to go to wine school. So I went to wine school, and I decided uh, that I wanted to open up my own place. I hadn't been mentored in a while, so I did a culinary entrepreneurship program where I wrote my business plan a little bit each week and decided to go to Omaha instead of Lincoln because I thought that Omaha had a much more thriving food scene and uh, designed the space and picked the spot and here we are now. <laughs> so why Omaha instead of New York? Why Omaha instead of uh, Napa Valley? Like why'd you choose to come back to Nebraska? I realized that I had a 90 year old grandma. I had all these nieces and nephews who didn't know me. I was working, actually the, the day that I realized I wanted to open my own spot was Christmas day. Working at Vaucluse, I gave everyone the day off, and it was just like, I'm making bread for all these people for the next day, and they're not gonna realize like the sacrifice that I was making. So I was like, why am I making all of these personal sacrifices when like I'm sacrificing my time with my family and like having these relationships with people that I need to have relationships with at this moment. So That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, and it, do you feel like it is more meaningful now that you're doing it here to do it here than somewhere else? Absolutely. Like if I opened in New York, I wouldn't have the community that surrounds me here. Like everyone here really supports each other, like small business wise, small restaurant wise. Like everyone knows each other, works together, really wants to make Omaha a thing. If I were in New York, I'd have to push to get PR, I'd be open, you know, 20 hours a day just to like make ends meet. So it seemed much more feasible and just supported yeah. here. So we were talking before we came, we started taping, I am so interested in kind of that collaborative spirit that you're describing. Yeah. And I wanted you to tell me a little bit about how you started to get your bread like all over Omaha. So tell, so everyone else can hear this story. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know anybody. Yeah. I moved here, I lived in an apartment, and after being in an apartment for about a week, I got a little stir crazy. Yeah. I was sitting there like practicing bonbons at home just because it was like I had this huge counter and I'm like, I'm gonna make chocolate. So I just decided to go to all of these restaurants that everyone was talking about and every time I would go to one, I would just bring a box of chocolate. I mean, what better idea? Yeah. Than, like, I'm just gonna bring you. This is a good time to share yeah. the yeah, chocolates, yeah, by the, the way. So, Which are, uh, good job. <laughs> I just wanna see them, I know. They are hand-painted and we only use Valrona chocolate, which is environmentally sustainable. Can you see that? Yeah. <laughs> um, That's art. That's food art. And the art. fillings are cool too. I mean, they're not just like chocolate. No, uh -uh. <laughs> we try and mix it up. This is our, um, what we call like our standard collection. And then we do like separate ones for Valentine's Day, for the holidays, just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I so was, I was so you, a box of these and I ate them all in like one day. <laughs> and I don't remember eating any. That's because you didn't get any. <laughs> the, so, okay, you show up to various Omaha restaurants, various like, you know, successful higher-end Omaha places with these. And what's yeah. the reaction? Well, I mean, I would give it to the server and then they would give it to the chef, whether it was like Ben Maids or Tim Nicholson. I just show up and I just dropped bonbons off. And that's how I met people. And then like how I got in touch with Modern Love, Julie, who's the chef there, um, she was in here eating one day and I just handed out baguettes at the end of the day because I knew that I couldn't use them the next day. And she contacted me and she's like, this baguette's amazing. Do you make vegan bread? And I'm like, 
yeah, I can totally make you vegan bread. So like, it's just like the gifting spirit. Like, yeah, I'm just like a little pastry fairy <laughs> that just goes around Omaha. Like sometimes I show up at places with chicken sandwiches. Sometimes I show up with bag of pastries. Always a bag of pastries. But that's kind of how I just met everyone. But they have the the. It seems like from your Instagram feed, which you should tell people what it is so they can follow you too. That people have reciprocated with this gifting spirit toward you. Yeah. I, I kind of also think people feel bad for me. Because <laughs> like there was one day that I showed up to Ocarant and um, Ben Maids was just like, Ellie, sit down for 15 minutes with me. He made me this truffle omelet. I just sat on the back steps and we sat there and just talked about small business ownership and ate omelets together. Yeah. And like sometimes I just show up at places and they're like, Ellie, eat something. Please eat something. <laughs> Like, we see that you're up all day long. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you give some, you get some. Mm -hmm. It's really kind cool. of the best way to go about it. Yeah. What time do you get here in the morning? Um, usually 4.30 to 4.45 if there are other things to do. Sometimes it's 3.30, sometimes it's 5.30. So that's why you haven't been to Tiny House Bar. That's why I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to the mini bars <laughs> at all. <laughs> so every time I show up to Night Owl to deliver, Noah was always just like, here's a slushie. Yeah. That's like my bar experience. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to point out too, like, I mean, I asked that question in part because it's a direct challenge to every old guy sitting on their couch talking about how millennials are lazy or, you know, uh, ungrateful in some way, and you're getting here at 3.30 in the morning to open this place every morning. I mean, it's a, and I feel like when you look at the list of, that's another thing we need to talk about with, with sort of the new generation of, of cool Omaha restaurants. Everybody in those places, and this is true restaurants in general, yeah. but everybody in those places is working their ass off. Uh, yeah. Everyone wants to make something happen here. Yeah. And I mean, like, David Yoshitomo is doing an amazing job. Like, amazing. Like, bringing Hirosato in. Like, that's so cool. Like, yeah. and he's going and doing omakases around the country. Like, that's so cool. Like, creating that, like, Omaha vibe somewhere else and, like, letting people know that we have all of this stuff going on. Like, who would have thought we would have this amazing sushi in Omaha? Right. right. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I know. It, it is incredible. And it's so exciting. I mean, I feel like, you know, I've been doing this job for eight years and I've felt excited about it the whole time. But I feel like <laughs> right now with this list and you and everything that's happening, I feel like it's just a really cool time to be able to be a diner and eating in Yeah, Omaha. it feels like a transition. Yeah. Um, and that, again, that was started maybe, I don't know, a decade ago with the boiler room and with Grey Plume yeah, and right. a couple other places. But it's really... It's like picking up uh, speed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. And it's super fun to see. Like, every time a new restaurant opens up, you're like, awesome. Like, yeah. I know. It's very cool. Yeah. Well, do you have any other questions, or you just want to eat all these pastries? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the agony. The, the temptation is overwhelming us. <laughs> I want to point out that I already ate one pastry know, now, during the first segment, and now I have another removed, one. So you better eat that bagel. Yeah, and we try and go as local, local, sustainable, organic as possible. Um, all of our flour is organic, and we mill all of our wheat and rye flour in house, so it has higher vitamin, mineral, and fiber content than regular flour. A lot of people don't know that it's not supposed to be shelf stable mm -hmm. so it has all of the um, it has the germ the endosperm and the brown in it so it's just heartier and it really creates a totally different flavor profile from just standard sourdough yeah and it's interesting too like when I wrote I was looking at the review I wrote the other day and at that point you had just a few things yeah like one sandwich the yeah spicy chicken sandwich and now you've got 
like a wide array of all kinds of stuff that you've added. You yeah. have a wine program and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, and patio. Give yourself like five minutes to tell <laughs> people what you've added if they haven't been here in a while. Okay, um, we added a full food program. Um, so kind of a little bit of a backstory. My friend who helped me open, uh, we had a little bit of a separation. And when he left, I was like, man, how am I going to do this food program? And then I was like, Ellie, you went to culinary school. Like, you can cook. Like, utilize the things that are in front of you and create something out of it. So that's when, like, it was like last April, we started to really ramp up the food program, and it's just been taking off. Like, every week we look at the Farm Table website, we see, like, what's available? Like, what can we do that's local, local and in season right now? Mm -hmm. And it's super fun. And then it was like, I'm also a certified sommelier. Let's have wine. Like, yeah. don't you want to have champagne and a croissant? <laughs> I do. And then, like, and then it's just kind of like building up all of these things and these programs. And um, so now we have a couple of different categories on our menu. We have toasts, which is like our pickled carrot hummus toast right here. So it's just open-faced sourdough, and same with the s'more bread right there. Um, just with simple toppings. Uh, Everything's made in-house, and then we have a couple of sandwiches as well, and it just kind of keeps changing. So we write the menu on our counter every day because, I mean, you, you know for the most part what's going to be on it, but we throw in some surprises. Yeah. Like, we have, like, a new ramp toast right now because ramps are really in season. Yeah. So, I mean, that'll change in a couple of weeks when we can no longer get them, but... Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, thanks for being on the podcast thanks and letting for us film me. here. Uh, well, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. We are going to stop because we have to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can also check me out at Ellie Pegler yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Or for Omaha. I'm not on Instagram because I'm old. <laughs> You're our friendly <laughs> uncle. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.